This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Ko Mikaela Naiman toko ingoa. My name is Mikaela Naiman and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. And uh, I'm privileged today to have uh, Jan Schoibers, which are probably pronounced the wrong way in the studio, but he's our art space artist for December. And uh, welcome, Jan. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, tell me a bit about yourself. You have been in Taranaki for some time and um, it's uh, your home since, yeah. 19- yeah, 1983. And you came directly to Taranaki? Yeah, yes, I, d- I did, yes. How come? Um, well, there was a lot of turmoil in Europe at the time. It was the Cold War was going on between America and Russia, just as it is now at the moment. Mm, good reminder that this is yeah, yeah not something it, new. It was very scary because everybody was talking about it. It was the talk of the day. Um, so I thought, well, I'm born in 1945. Uh, I knew, you know, the aftermath of what happened just after that. And all those poor people, the Jews, were just slaughtered. I said, well, I'm not waiting for this one. I'm out of here. And uh, so I took my family uh, to New Zealand. And I uh, never looked back since then. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Did you know someone here? Um, How did you make the choice? I had a friend, actually, uh, living in Auckland. And um, I met him when he was on a holiday in, in, in Holland. And, uh, you know, he was already living here in New Zealand. And we were talking about it. He said, why, why don't you come to, to Auckland? He said, well, I'm, I've been thinking about it. He said, well, I've got all my family here and my friends. I just can't go just like that. Uh, so it took actually two years to work on it. Um, to be prepared to, uh, to come over. And first I came over uh, with, with, my, my, with my wife together to have an, a holiday kind of yeah, observation to how the people were like here, uh, if it would appeal to us and all that kind of things. And we left it. But now we have to make that important decision. What are we going to do now? We can't go halfway. <laughs> so that was very hard to say to the family, we actually are planning to go to New Zealand. And they say, you must be kidding. You must be mad. You got all this here. He said, yes, but I have to leave it. Why? Well, you know why? 
and uh, they found it very, very sad. But we went, and uh, since then I've been over a few times to, to meet them again, and they came over to us, and, and so on, and, and life uh, went on for us, mm. you know, and we still love, love it here. It's yeah. a big decision. Well, Taranaki is uh, lucky to have you because you also brought along your art. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me about uh, your art. When did your interest in art start? Do you know? Yes, I know that very well. My interest in art was already when I was a kid. I was, somebody was, well, my friends were sporting, you know, playing soccer and tennis or whatever. And I did that uh, swimming. Uh, I did that kind of things as well. But my greatest thing was just drawing outside, drawing, and, and uh, even in the classroom, my sketchbook was ripped up a few times because I was not allowed to do that, of course. But that was something. But I felt uh, it was a part of me, and it never left. But I. <laughs> My friends, when I was 17 or something like that, uh, two of my mates, they, um, they went to the art school in Brussels, the, the Academy of Fine Arts. And uh, I wanted to go as well, but I was not allowed. Mm. By your parents? By, by, yeah, by, uh, I had foster parents. Ah. They were looking after me. And... Uh, they say, no, 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 uh, you're not going there, you know, that's for lazy people, and mm. uh, no, you can do better than that. Mm. So uh, I went to school and educate myself in, um, in, a, in a technical way, actually, mm. in an engineering kind of way. Mm. But engineering can be very useful for an artist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, because you learn how to... Uh, observe things, you learn how to um, build up a kind of image or whatever because that is part of engineering, mm. put things together, mm. uh, construct and mm. in a constructive way. But I love that um, observation part because uh, uh, I don't think that's so self-evident that you think straight away about the observation. But your work is very much about observation and kind of maybe, you know, as Emily Dickinson, the poet, used to say, observe it, uh, look at it with a slant or at a slant, that you are kind of not mm -hmm. taking the most obvious way of looking at things and your surroundings. And then it ends up being this wonderful, mysterious art instead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can call it mysterious, but it is already around for millions of years. Yes. And it's still forming in that way genetically. And, uh, uh, but that was very intriguing to me. Um, the funny thing is, if you walk along the beach and you see a seashell, you, most of the time you pick it up and have a look at it. And so that's interesting. And then you chuck it out into the sea or you put it in the cupboard somewhere at home. Um, and what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I looked at the construction of the shell and I thought it was so amazingly naturally built, so strong. Um, 
because if the shell is broken, you can see the insides of the construction. And I thought, wow, look at this. Uh, we can learn a lot of from nature. And at the moment, we, we are fully aware of it, you know. And um, so I started to, to paint the shells uh, in the, well, when was it? Late 80s and 90s. And um, that went very well. The people loved it. But I also was very well aware of uh, the beautiful decorations they have, you know, on the on the shell, on the outside, or on the body. And um, then I found out that um, people were busy with those decorations because they are so naturally so very well balanced mm. in a way and there was a uh, computer program in the early days and that was called basic and after the that running that program a printer what printed out all those lines and after 25 30 lines those patterns appeared oh, wow. on that program and so, well, look at this. Uh, something art uh, artificial and something natural uh, has some kind of a connection. Mm. And, uh, well, there was a whole book uh, written about it. And um, so that brought me further, further, I mean, in, in my thinking that um, nature is doing things which are incredibly balanced. Mm. And of course, you automatically think about the Nautilus shell and the golden ratio, the proportions of how the spirals work right. as they work their way in. So absolutely balanced, yeah. but to perfection. To perfection. And, the, you, and the, the spiral, what you are thinking, what you're just telling me, is, is one of the most... Uh, is, what, uh, technical things what is happening in the universe mm. because the whole universe is a spiral mm. absolutely in nature you know all the succulents what you see the yagana they're all spirals mm. so everything is a spiral really mm. <laughs> on that note we are going to take a short break for music and come back
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful for the sponsorship of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center. And today I'm here with uh, Jan Hoibers, <laughs> who is the art space artist for December. And we are just talking about uh, nature's amazing way of surprising us and yeah, making balanced work and perfection, uh, such as seashells. Because your work, your current exhibition that is going to show here in December is actually called Oceanic Connections. And you are very much working with uh, form and shells. Can you talk a bit about this specific art that you're going to show here? Yeah, the, the ocean, oceanic connections, that's what I mean, is what I mean is that they have a connection to the ocean. We have a connection to the ocean. Mm. And we have to look after the ocean. So the what I thought, I take those images from those shells, I, partly out of the whole uh, design of the images of the shell and project it on a large scale and arrange them and rearrange them and then in the end I come up with a design um, it, it, with a design what actually hopefully speaks to us from an oceanic kind of view because those creatures are born in the ocean and normally I take the Pacific uh, images or cultural Im images as, as the background of my uh, overall design because the, those creatures they are living in the, uh, in the Pacific Ocean around the islands so I, I uh, yeah I thought I have to, to make that connect connection where they come from mm. And both of them are uh, you can are viewed in in the artwork. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they are amazing. So we are talking large uh, acrylic on canvas uh, paintings that are more than a meter <laughs> wide and high. And uh, these uh, images. So you are telling me that they are all from nature. They all exist. Uh, it's the outside of the shell as well as the inside of the broken up. Shells? Yeah, but that was my earlier work, mm. uh, which also can be seen on the on the website. And um, but it, it developed from there, because if you say the the um, particular shell what I work very often with is the Labradus, the Conus Labradus shell. It's got an, an an image like a leopard skin mm. of fur right mm. of that animal and i i thought by painting the whole shells in in the past i can go deeper into the creature into its soul and that is the image what it shows on the shell body because if we see an an um, a leopard and the f we have his skin on the floor, or we even wear it, or something like that. We know where it comes from. Oh, that is particular distinctive pattern of a leopard, or a giraffe, or uh, a zebra, right? 
And I thought, well, I would like to make that same connection to that world, but we don't know mm. anything about it. Mm. And hopefully that will intrigue the viewer. Mm. What the heck is this? Mm. Where does it come from? Yeah. Because we don't know the world. Mm. Uh, we know everything about Mars and Venus, uh, the moon. You hardly know anything about them. Mm. But you've also tricked us in that you have altered the scale so magnificently. So you've blown it up to yes. a huge degree and you kind of have to think, what what is this? So are these the uh, shells that are often sold as souvenirs in the past? Right. Yes, yes. that you can yeah. also hold up to your ear and listen to yeah. and beautifully spotted. Do we have them in any form here in New Zealand? The shells, you mean? Yeah. Yes, I've got them at home. Yeah, I thought we had... Uh, I've found uh, small ones, yeah. but very rarely. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a few here which has a um, distinctive pattern, but not, not many. Mm. You find them more in the, in the warm water uh, mm. areas, you know, of mm. the Pacific. Mm. Yeah, around Tonga and... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, they are beautiful. Rarotonga and so on, yeah. So, um, what else have you been... Are they all drawing their inspiration from shells for this exhibition? Or are you using something else with the oceanic connections? Um, yeah, predominantly that will be all related to the ocean, what I want to show here. Um, yeah. And you have always worked uh, a lot with color, so you're not the monochromatic artist here. So are these also going to be uh, colorful paintings? Yes, very colorful. Mm. Very much so, yes. Mm. Because I I love color. So, uh, and that has been built in and designed all around that particular um, pattern, what a shell wears normally. Yeah. And of course there are always once you start looking closely at things and maybe in a different light you realize that there are many more colors than you can see at first with the naked eye. Yeah. So how do you work out your color choices? Because you are not necessarily staying, um, you know, you are not a realist <laughs> as such. You you go very much for the color and then, yeah, blow up those uh, patterns to huge proportions and, yeah. you know. Yeah, the colors, they... You never know where it ends. You, you, you start with that particular pattern and you have studied it uh, in a way that you have broken it up, rearranged it, and then you still feel, if you do that, that you can balance the whole thing. If that is done, then I put all my colors around it. And also the Pacific Im uh, Cultural image it, it, in the background is all interwoven in 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 the whole design. Mm -hmm. uh, Interesting that you yes. start with the uh, pattern and then comes the color. So yes, that's yes, that's why. Mm. Because that is the most important thing. That is the the soul of of the ocean. You know, uh, it's all symbolic. Um, in in a way that. Those patterns, they are symbolically alive over in there. And to me, we have to preserve that. Because if we don't do that, it will be the end of us. Mm. And the whole planet, poss mm. possibly, 
so it is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's uh, hopefully that will come over to the viewer as well. Mm-hmm. So that it is not just a shell, but it's the whole uh, entourage, you know, all around it. Mm-hmm. It is so important to uh, to get that image. Mm. Absolutely. That, that view to to the viewer. And uh, I've been looking around <coughs> over the whole world if somebody else is working in that same field because mm. I feel I so alone. wondering. <laughs> I feel so alone in this. And um, I found a Japanese guy um, and he was using that kind of patterns on pottery. And I was... Oh, very happy imagine. to see that. So I sent him a few emails, but never got back anything back from him. Mm. So that was disappointing. Mm. Well, but he might not have um, used uh, the patterns; might have come from somewhere else. Yeah. Who knows? They just coincidentally happen to be similar. Yeah. But it, I love that about your work. So uh, yes, oceans are so important. So come and have a look at. Uh, Jan's work here in the art space in Top Town uh, Gallery during the month of December and it's a large-scale acrylic colorful work that actually draws on nature and on things that are very much vital for our well-being and for our planet yet they have an abstract feel to them. Yes they have. Mm -hmm. To, to the viewer, yes. that they are actually not abstract. No. No, because they are genetically formed over millions of years. But it, you know, it is... Yeah. Yeah. Nature is wise, beats us every time. Let's uh, listen to some music on that note.
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful to Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlai Center for the sponsorship of this show. And today I'm here with the, the art space uh, December artist who happens to be Jan Schoibers and his uh, Oceanic Connections will be showing here in the art space throughout December. We're talking large acrylic on canvas paintings that draw on very much on nature, um, sea creatures, seashells, patterns, but of course it's all grounded in reality and science and uh, all captured by this engineering technical eye of Jan. <laughs> Tell me, Jan, you mentioned that uh, some of your first inspirations uh, actually came from someone uh, from your home country who happens to be very, very, very famous. And I'm talking about Van Gogh. Van Gogh, you, yes. you, you were saying the right, <laughs> you pronounced it right, because normally they say Van Gogh. Or oh. Van Gogh, yes. <laughs> so how did, how did your paths cross? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm born, of not born, I grew up as, as a toddler in, in Zundert. That is in the south of, uh, of the Netherlands just on the Belgian uh, border. Um, and uh, uh, Van Gogh is born there in 1953, uh, in 1853, and his dad was a reference uh, in, in, the, in the church there, mm. very close to, uh, to where he's born. Um, so, the whole story and life of uh, Van Gogh, Vincent, is, is actually embedded in, in that mm. little village. And uh, so we grew up with him. Mm. And um, in, 19, what is in, eight, uh, in 1953, after 100 years after, after his birth, uh, there was an, an exhibition there uh, when uh, I was eight years old. Mm. And I, of course, we all went up there, and that was just in, in, in a community house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining these amazing Van Gogh paintings in the community hall. <laughs> oh, yeah, the community hall. You just could pick them off the wall oh, and no. take them home. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, so all, all those ce- cele- celebrations... Um, went on in in that particular place and it was quite famous in in the Netherlands and possibly in Europe because every time uh, the those exhibitions came back from him to that place now more protected of course later on mm. so I've actually uh, have seen all his work oh my all all of it uh, also in London uh, went out there and have a look and uh, other places. Um, so I, I really admire his work because his um, energy in his work is, is quite amazing. Mm. And now, of course, uh, lately he has become so revered and um, they have discovered how scientific his work was too. You know, when you start to compare the swirls we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, in the skies and, and how that actually computes with real energy fields and things. But 
I guess that wasn't the case then back in 1953, but that he was celebrated. I'm glad he was celebrated in in, uh, your town. Yes, yes, yeah. And there is uh, a center there, a Van Van Gogh center, where you can uh, get all the information that is quite big now Mm. at at the moment. Yeah. So do you think that he um, had a role in inspiring you to paint? Um, I'm not saying he did, but but well, I don't think so because inspiring to paint is a sort of um, yeah, is a passion. Yeah. Well, why why did you start to paint? Because it was I think I was born with it. Yep. And uh, I reckon everybody is born with some kind of a passion, but you have to find it. Mm. Uh, it can appear when I. I still a child, just what happened to me. Then you carry it with you. You have to do something else to survive. That's what I tell you. And uh, so you do. And when you are free after so many years, it just explodes in your body and not further anymore. Yep. I have to do this yes. before oh. I die. Absolutely. And this. <laughs> And then he say you throw everything out and you go for it. And that happened to me. At what point in life did that happen to you? When I was early 50s. Really? Yeah. I think that I have a similar experience that my parents also said, no, I'm not allowed to go to art school. I have to have a real job and I can have art as a hobby. Yeah. And the same with writing. So my kind of rebellious act was to first become a journalist that was at least writing. The problem was that I did all that writing as a, a job, mm-hmm. and so it killed out the creative bit, you know? Yeah. yeah, so you need to find a balance. Yeah. But your engineering background seems to have stood you in good stead with your art practice then. Yes. Um, when I was living in Holland, I, I already did, you know, produce artwork, and I sold it and went to different places, but that was uh, more or less graphite and charcoal, Ah. because I was always sitting outside and sketching trees and houses and things what was interesting to me at the time. And uh, I got commissions from uh, even um, what's called a a big bank over there to to draw that old building what is going to be demolished. Oh, right? lovely. And, and next door, the new bank uh, was uh, being built. Uh, that kind of things uh, that happened in, in those days. But besides that, I was a land surveyor. Mm-hmm. And I was working for, for a council, set, setting out new suburbs and roads and, and the whole rest of it. And from the council, I got also art. <laughs> Yeah. I had projects to do as well, and I loved that, of course. And I was um, uh, a member of the uh, creative community for um, a sculpture uh, a project. What happened was happening every year, so I was heavily involved in that. So my life was already on the sidelines, completely filled up. And then I had got my family with. Mm with my children as well to um, to look after and 
so that was not always very easy. Mm. Are you still doing sculpture and working no, in 3D? I, I'm not doing, I'm just painting. But in those days, um, that was a design team where I was a part of, and they built sculptures. They were um, six, seven, eight meters high and about eight meters wide. Mm. And they were from flowers, from dahlias. Oh. Yeah. Is this in New Zealand or in uh, the in Netherlands? In the Netherlands. So in, in, in the place Zendert. I know, place. I know so many people who absolutely love dahlias. So, you know, I'm sure there's a market for your dahlia building skills. <laughs> <laughs> but it was huge. Uh, more than 100,000 people came to show to, to come to that event, to that show. That wow. was huge. Wow. Yeah, it was an, a, a community effort uh, to build those things. What was the material used? The material was an, an, a, a sort of skeleton structure, was covered in, in, in carton and all kind, kind of things, all welded together. And uh, the, the, it has a particular topic, uh, an abstract one or an, an, a figure of uh, mythological uh, histories. Uh, yeah, it, it was every year a different. And it was about 20 of those big uh, uh, sculptures came to light every year. Well, sounds wonderful. Yeah, that was an. Uh, I think it is unique in in the world. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So I'm as as a child, I was already uh, working on that. And later on, I came in the design team um, with the artist, and uh, we worked it all out, the scale and everything, and all the construction, and and they were um, so put together that they could could move just by manpower. And you could see the manpower because they were all inside. Oh! And so that because everything is flat there, yes. so it was rolling over the street very gently, <laughs> and uh, you see all those dahlia colors and 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 because it it it, it showed something, you know, mm. some what has happened in the world, and that was just being, yeah, sorted out in in a massive kind of. Mm arty, very arty uh, conception. Mm, yes, very arty. I've been um, uh, talking with a friend of mine who is a poet and, and got really excited about Theo Janssen's strand beasts, mm -hmm. which are big creatures moving yes. just by the oh, wind. Oh, it's amazing. I, eh? I, I, yeah. They are so amazing. Yeah, yeah. And he has a whole genealogy worked out and all these magnificent beasts that move seemingly by themselves just from yeah. the power of the wind and the waves and keep working their way through because it's flat like you say yeah, over yeah. the beaches yeah it's yeah. uh, quite amazing i've seen them too yeah. the, uh, it was on, on on the beach yes those huge things you mm. know just moving by themselves yep like dinosaurs quite creepy. <laughs> yes <laughs> but that's also a feat of engineering engineering and art combined yeah yeah, yeah. yes yeah well, wonderful. On that note, we will take a short break and listen to some music. Day off in Kyoto, I boarded the temple, around at the seven. 
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast, and I'm Michaela Nyman, and I'm your host. And today I'm here talking with the art space December artist Jan Hoibers, and I never say that right. Um, so Jan, I will have to ask you to say it this time. <laughs> How do you pronounce your name correctly? And my name is Jan. Hybus. Hybus. So you're very close anyway. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always terrible when you cannot um, pronounce names correctly. Uh, and we are talking about what kinds of engineering and art connections, uh, 3D sculptures, but also Jan's work, which is uh, an exhibition here in the art space called Oceanic Connections, which draws very much on nature and the wonderful things um, our sea creatures do with the patterns and spirals and other things. And uh, I just, uh, to come back to the passion, I I feel very strongly about 
being able to at some point in life follow your passion too but it's not I mean it's easier said than done what do you think happens if you are not allowed to do that though you get very 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 frustrated (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure (laughs) so you have to find out how you can fill up an, an, an alternative what is help you out further in life it is. It can become a an, an very a mental kind of issue mm. uh, because it is part of your uh, soul, right? uh, your subconscious. Uh, so it never co- goes goes away. It no. will stay with you till you die. And I think that is what uh, people who don't understand that part of um, a creative person. Um, and dismiss it. Uh, they don't realize how, uh, yeah, how it affects you. But it, art and being creative can also be seen as something very selfish. Yeah, it could be. But I see it. Um, I, I experienced this. I, I never looked at s- somebody else. I really, well, not in a way, in, in a negative way, because... Um, I, I love somebody else's work as well, and I really respect it, right? Um, yeah, in that way, um, sorry, I have to come back to what is the issue? The passion the and passion, the yeah. being seen as selfish if you follow yeah. your passion. So there is not so much in competition to somebody else, because that will harm your, well, uh, your well-being, your, even. Your, your well-being, mm. but also your creativity. Mm. Um, that's why uh, some people are working for an for a market. It is fine. You you can earn lots of money or whatever. If that is the case, then you do yourself not the honesty or how it should be, how, how you would feel it. So you, if you go in that way, you you will possibly miss out on a lot of other mm. feelings. I but think. can the business side coexist then with the emotional, creative, well-being side? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a very hard balancing act. That's a very hard balancing act. That's why to be an artist is so hard. Because if you are very lucky, you can sell your work and then you you see that there's a bonus. Because you you're not working so much for a market he should be but what is the market anyway mm. what is the fashion you don't it is yours it is not somebody else it is not a market issue if somebody likes your work he will buy it and you and you hope he will enjoy it and not so much for the money it has to be an un- enjoyable thing mm. uh, it has to be re- reading your the vision of your work in there and your feelings and your emotions. If that is not the case, don't buy it. Even at this word, I, I don't know how much money. It's, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Have you kept uh, good records of your art over the years? Yes, I have, yes. How come you started doing that? Um, if when I spoke to a lot of people, I had a little notebook, and I said, oh, 
you know, in some big artist or whatever. Oh, please, can you put a few notes in my notebook? And they, m most of the time, they were very happy to do so. So I've got a bit of a collection of that. And um, so I also, of course, in that way, I admired their, their work. Yeah. But you have also kept a record of your own work. Then. Yes, yes, I do. I have got a booklet somewhere in that where, because for me it is important where the work is going to. Mm. And if I can, I won't trace it. And, oh, it is, it's living there. Oh, that's a good home. They will look after it. You know, it, because it, it is a part of your soul what is going. And uh, in auctions, I made an, a one blunder <laughs> once, oh. yes. <laughs> What? <laughs> I was so wrapped up in, in, in that piece of work that it went with the auction and I wanted to have it back. Mm, oh. So I went to that person and I said, oh, please, can I buy it back from you? No. <laughs> and they, they were a bit upset, you know. They said, oh, God, I never should have done this. You know, you keep, keep your, your, your feelings and your emotions intact, in, in in, you know. Don't, don't do this. And I, after that was okay, but uh, that's uh, is, that's kind of feelings can explode really. Yeah. This I can't explain it. And uh, you wouldn't have um, tried to replicate it for yourself? No. 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 no I, I I can't replicate things. I just can't do it. If they say, can you can you make another one of that in in the commission because I like what is hanging there? Mm. I can't. Oh. No, because that energy is gone. I can't yes. pull it back again. I can totally it, get that. It, it's, it's not possible. And if somebody else can do it, then I think it is a fault. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. how do you work with commissions then? First of all, where can people find you? You said that you have a website. Yes. So where can people find you? Yeah, my website is uh, on Dale Copeland's uh, website. It is virtual.tart dot co dot nz forward slash capital j a n uh, low cast uh, that's, that's where you can find it uh, all, all uh, my work will be on there all the previous work as well so it is quite a massive uh, kind of uh, uh, website a lot lots of painting in there and if people want to commission you to do something how do they get hold of you Oh, they they can email me if they want to, and then we can make an arrangement or uh, whatever. And what is your email? My email is J A N H U I J B N Z at gmail dot com. Yep. And uh, when you get a commission, what is um, you know how do you go about working out if it's really for you? Uh, a commission for me? Yeah, a commission of yeah. work. Um, Have you been, because we talked about commissions, so how do you know that it's actually something that you will be able to deliver? Or Well, uh, if it is within my own capability, that's what you mean. Yeah, if you feel that it's right for you, because they must have approached you because they love your work. But when you say that you are not really one who reproduces no. the same. It has to be something totally different. Yeah. yeah. So how do you work out when someone comes and says, oh, I would love you to do something for me? I you can make sketches. Yeah, like the bank. 
yeah. that you talked about. Yeah, yeah, I can make sketches in in in, in a particular form or shape. Uh, I can color it in. Uh, kind of study. And that's how you negotiate. Yeah. Okay, so that's so how you, you can negotiate. negotiate. This is uh, approximate how it's going to look like. That, that uh, normally the commission said, well, uh, the, that person wants to have it in a particular place in his house, so it has to be in, in, in a particular dimension. And those are all restrictions which are a bit, well, against our feelings, right? Because you don't want to be uh, in in a particular frame uh, put in where you uh, feel not too happy with it. Uh, but you know that mm. is. Mm. Yeah, can, that can be done. That's why I done. was wondering. Yeah, that how, how the kind of logical, yeah. uh, technical side comes up against the emotional side. And when you said that you don't like to be reproducing work, um, presumably someone has seen your work and really liked it and wants something similar in other dimensions for the house. But what happens then if you get to a point where you feel that the restrictions are more than you can? comfortably handle yeah how do you manage to either you know negotiate through it or pull back and said sorry i i can't do this yeah th that can happen has it exactly happened to you it, uh, it can happen that it is for you not really um, in an interest to uh, fulfill that that job and then you have to to let it go because it will be a disaster in the mm. end so that for, has for you, maybe not so much even for him, but for you, say you um, if you want to, to produce a nice artwork, you have to be 100, 110% content and happy with it. Yes. Otherwise, you don't let it go, right? Uh, and that's how I work. I want to have as much pleasure out of it and as much frustration out of it as I can. Mm. And for me, I, I always try to go to the edge. And that's why all my paintings are different. Mm -hmm. There's not one is similar to the other one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking your time. And to all our listeners out there, uh, pop by the art space and have a look at uh, Jan Hoeber's uh, fantastic uh, paintings now in December. And uh, such a pleasure to have you. Wish thank you, you very much and thank you for having me here for, for this yeah, chat, having a chat with you was very nice. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Centre. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.